If you are hearing this right now, it means we're covering some graphic topics in today's episode. This is a true crime and paranormal podcast. There's going to be some murder. Finger. It's burning the shit out of my hand. Thank you. Oh God, that's so hot. It's so Ow. hot. Ow. Because I boiled it twice on accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, that's. Okay. Hold on. Let me get my mm-hmm. headphones on. I'm not gonna be able to drink this tea for like 20 minutes. I know. It's so hot. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for the tea. What what's uh what's the kind? The... Um, we'll get to it. Okay. We can't <laughs> ask that yet. We I haven't even ask... we haven't even had our our I'm little getting... discussion. Getting Is that a vanilla? Hints of vanilla, chamomile, little lavender, perhaps. I'm not getting any chamomile, but lavender, yeah. Oh, well, in the back of my palate, I am getting that chamomile for sure. Maybe a little sandalwood. <laughs> you just burn the shit out of your mouth. <laughs> no, I slurped it pretty hard, so. So it just went straight to the back of your Gotta throat. Aerate it. Air. <laughs> yeah. It's like those professional ice cream tasters that have the gold spoon. Yeah. Wait, gold spoon? Yeah, they test ice cream with a solid gold spoon. Holy because cow. Because gold doesn't have like a metallic taste to it. It tastes like nothing. Whoa. Yeah. So ice cream tasters and like professional food tasters what? use gold cutlery. That's so cool. What have you been up to this week? Besides sleeping through most of the day and yeah. almost pooping your pants. <laughs> hey, you did too. <laughs> I did too. That's funny. <laughs> well... Too much coffee you, will do that to you. Three man. and a half cups of coffee and a yeah. Red Bull and only <laughs> a bowl of Cheerios <laughs> for real sustenance. Oh, that's funny. I almost shit my pants. <laughs> what did I do this week? I oh my god, last night I played. I came into the studio and played VR because that's my one of my assignments for 360 video class um, is to get in touch with VR and like play <laughs> I games love how for an hour. We have friends who are reading like 200 pages a night yeah, and yeah. like these boring textbooks. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I have to draw a picture of an apple. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I have to play VR. I have to play VR for an <laughs> yeah, hour. Yeah. Should have been in the arts. I, losers. I played this like monster hunting game and there's like goblins and they come straight up to you and you have to reach behind your back, get a arrow. Oh, I thought you were going to say VR. like Katana, but I guess arrow is no, cool too. And get the arrow and, and shoot them with a bow. And they can come right up to you. Like Ooh, these I don't big like ass goblins that are taller than you. It's so freaky. Like <sighs> I was alone in the studio and it was so scary. Like I got. Yeah, no, thank you. It was terrible. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't know a video game could make me feel so anxious. <laughs> don't sit with your, you're wearing leggings and that's how you choose to sit today. Come on. Be ladylike. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, besides almost shitting myself, nothing much has happened with me. <laughs> I only slept like four hours, and so I was just drinking coffee all day, but I didn't have any time to like eat Dang. during the day, so I just drank like three and a half cups of coffee in a Red Bull, and then ate a bowl of Cheerios <laughs> and thought that would be okay, and my body wouldn't reject it. <laughs> I went to class this morning at 8 a.m., and I was like, I sat in the back against the wall and just kind of was like... No, you did not fall asleep. No, I didn't fall asleep, Ugh. but I was in the back against the wall, so I could just rest my head against the wall. Mm-hmm. And then the last like half hour of it, I actually woke up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he didn't ask any questions. It's like he doesn't really prompt us to do anything. He just talks at us for like over an hour. And I'm like, okay, so that's kind of your fault. It's your fault. I fell asleep. I okay? mean, yeah, he's being boring. <laughs> Spice it up a little bit. 
today I had a Zoom class, like Tuesday, Thursdays, I have a Zoom class for financial planning. Mm-hmm. And we went into breakout groups in the Zoom call. And in my breakout group, there's this Irish kid. And like, it was taking everything within me not to do his accent. Oh, that's messed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I love accents yeah, and yeah, yeah. like doing them and stuff. And like, well, do it. You're free now. <laughs> no. Uh, why is it my first inclination as a stupid American to be like, top of the morning to you? <laughs> oh, God. That's so funny. It was so hard not to. <laughs> That's great. Maybe I should have just slipped into another accent. You're like, oh, you're Irish too? I can be exotic too. <laughs> Maybe I should have done my Minnesotan mom one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You got to come into a class with, if nobody knows you in there, you got to just whip that out from the start. So I can be all exotic and mysterious. That'd be so funny. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, where is she from? Okay, we should probably get into this. Oh yeah, we we have so, a podcast today. Yeah. Oh, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome to Archive Murder Mystery All, all Around, around mayhem. mayhem. I'm Bailey. I'm Ben. <laughs> you got it this time. I was trying to trick <laughs> you. That was good. That's messed up. You shouldn't <laughs> trick me. <laughs> it took you like 20 tries before we got the that's Ben, that's Bailey, like right? Every time I would mess up. Yeah. <laughs> But I got it now. Not this time. You were on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this week, I'm going first, yeah? Yep. Yeah. You. This week, I have a good one. My case is literally like eight pages long, oh. so I'm going to need oh. you to buckle What'd you in. What did you say last time? You were like, it's a long. first off, it's a long one. Second off, it's a good one. Yeah. That was funny. And I'll say it again yeah. because this is good. Researching this one, like like reading the articles, it was literally like every sentence, I was in my head just going like, what the frick? Like every sentence. <laughs> okay. So, um, what are we drinking today, Ben? Some kind of tea, but I know it's from uh, Celestial Delights. No. <laughs> it's not. It's Celestial Seasonings, but. Okay, close enough. Yeah. I drink. I drink Tazo, and Stash. I think you should keep it that way because you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Uh, My case this week is the cult behind our beloved Sleepy Time Tea, Celestial Seasonings, (laughs) and the book of Arantia. Arantia? I don't know how to pronounce it, but it doesn't matter because it sucks, and I'll get into it later. But um, credit where credit's due. I got a lot of this from a food and wine article, Wikipedia, of course. Love you. We'll never donate. Um, And an article article by Megan Giller. Uh, This woman is actually like the one who really dug down into this for the first time ever and well at least hers was the earliest article i could find and all the other articles referenced her writing so i'm gonna give credit to her uh and she wrote a whole article about this cult for uh van winkles i just (laughs) love that name van winkles it's some publication devoted to sleep so that's cool but yeah that's where i got my stuff for this week um i'm so excited and you should be too and scared. You might also should be scared. You might also should be scared. But is the tea good? Um, well, yeah, we're drinking What's sleepy the tea time on tea. This tea cult? I kind of don't feel good about drinking this now that I know it the, tastes good though. The I story. Like it. it is. It's damn good. Yeah, it's really good tea. <laughs> Wait, so this is sleepy. This is sleepy yeah. This time? is sleepy time vanilla. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was vanilla. <laughs> nice. Oh, I also have to give some credit to TikTok because that's actually how I found out about this. Was really? yeah from a TikTok. So. Who said social media wasn't educational? Let's get into it. (laughs) I love TikTok so much. All right. Celestial Seasonings is a tea company. You can find them at like every grocery store ever. They have a million flavors, but their most popular being Sleepy Time. It's the one with the little bear. He's in pajamas on the front of the box. I think he's holding like a cat or something. 
but Celestial Seasonings is part of Haynes Celestial Group, a larger corporation. And Celestial Seasonings is not by any means like a small tea company. In one year, and I want to say 2018, they garnered $750 million in sales. That's a lot of tea. That's a lot of money. And the company was founded in 1969 by some Colorado hikers who found a bunch of herbs for tea making in the Rocky Mountains. Like none of the articles said it, but they were definitely hippies for real. And I say that in my my next line, the name of the company, Celestial Seasonings, is actually named after one of the co-founders' flower name. They call their Celestial Seasonings? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Lucinda, but I usually go by Celestial Seasonings. <laughs> oh, is that a nickname? So Aren't weird. they usually supposed to be shorter? <laughs> That's funny. So not Lucy. Okay. <laughs> and one, of the, one of the articles I read said that these hikers within like a few trips up into the mountains gathered enough herbs to make 500 pounds of tea oh my god yeah there's just some like dedicated hippies sheesh they're just backpacking out massive amounts of herbs and stuff. i'm imagining them with their like flower power bell bottoms and <laughs> like little rucksacks full of herbs <laughs> stuffed all in their pockets <laughs> what kind of herbs all types <laughs> the sleepy time's hitting that's good. Maybe it'll counteract so all good. the caffeine in my body. This is actually really good. I'm not going to sleep tonight. And I only drank all of that stuff so I could stay awake. Doesn't this have caffeine? No, it's sleepy time tea, Ben. Caffeine helps me sleep. I think that's an ADHD thing. Like, caffeine calms you down as opposed to everybody else. It heightens. I read that because, like, when my cousin, my cousin had ADHD, and when he was little, my aunt would give him coffee to calm him down. Nice. I don't know if that's this is so scientific, good. but... I need more. There's a power strip in here. You can just, I'll just bring the. So it in. can like, bubble while I while <laughs> I talk. Yeah. You be disrespectful again. <laughs> what did you do last time while I was talking? Oh, what did I do? Something disrespectful. I'll I tell think you I that. just made a face at you and, and then probably you, yeah. I'm gonna get the. Yeah, go get the tea kettle. Soon may the wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. Oh, <laughs> you know it's been my jam lately. <laughs> you know it's been my jam lately i found this playlist on spotify called sea shanties you could theoretically frick too <laughs> awesome. yeah it's so good like i've been really into sea shanties lately what can i say they're fun yeah that sleepy time is hitting all right where was i dedicated hippies right mm-hmm. so okay there's this guy named mo seagal uh he's one of the hikers in the rocky mountains and he's also known to be this prominent herbalist who made a ton of his own teas uh he had this blend that he would make that he called the 36 herb tea it's like the kentucky fried chicken 11 er secret (laughs) herbs and spices but tea Uh. 36 herb tea that he would put into these like hand sewn muslim bags oh that's cool yeah like what an entrepreneur but he would sell these to health stores all around colorado like the 1970s equivalent of whole foods just selling tea at the dispo or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like herbal and he's like no <laughs> in in 1972 mo and the rest of the colorado hikers <laughs> in 1972 mo and the rest of the colorado hikers joined forces to create our favorite sleepy time tea mm. um it's a blend of chamomile spearmint and other herbs mm. and in the 1970s when it was created it just became this overnight success did they ever put like but, any narcotics in it you know how like uh, coca-cola had coke or whatever no because this was 1970 not 1870 oh. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, a little different. They just <laughs> they just crush up Benadryl <laughs> and put it in their sleepy time tea. Oh my god. That's funny. What are those things called? Advil PM. No, they're give me some reference. I don't know what you're like saying. Like in the 1960s and 70s, there were these pills that you'd take. That's gonna annoy me if I don't Google it. I know there's the drink that has all sorts of horrible. I'm googling 1970s popular drugs for recreational use. <laughs> what? Oh God! What are they called? Amphetamine, cocaine, crack, LSD, opium. What are they called? Anti-malarial pills. They're like, oh my god, I don't know. Anthony Bourdain did this drug. I know that arsenic, much. Arsenic and strychnine. God rest his soul. Chocolate-coated tablets. Iron, arsenic, and strychnine. That sounds great. I'm going to actually scream if I can't find this word. I'm looking for something as well. Alcohol, cannabis, and chloroform. That's that's all you need for a good, for a good cold rep medicine. Laudanum. Mm. That's what I'm thinking of. Laudanum. That's not what I'm thinking of. I found it. Ah, I found mine. Dose for three-month-old is one drop. Ayahuasca. <laughs> because it is like opium and alcohol. <laughs> and it's like LSD. they've got a cold. Uh, so crazy. One of the best known and most extensively used house remedies. Uh, just drugging your kid up. You're three-month-old. All right, so it seems like you're not going to be able to find it. No, really. I'm looking at a drug dictionary right now. Give All me a right. minute. She's just searching through alphabetically. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to scream if I can't find this. I mean, yeah, I was I was getting annoyed that I couldn't find laudanum, but now I found what it. What is it called? Anthony Bourdain. And you know, in that Netflix documentary about psychedelics, Anthony Bourdain talks about this drug and his, his story. Hmm. Honestly, I forgot why this even is relevant to my case. I don't know. What were you? Yeah, what were we even talking about? I don't even know. I know we can't finish until this. Okay, I quaaludes. Have to. Quaaludes. It's quaaludes. That's, yes. Yeah, it's oh gotta my be God. quaaludes. Yeah. Woo. Okay, that's <laughs> the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, you could have said Wolf of Wall Street, and I would have known it instantly. Oh yeah, I guess that too. What was I talking about? I have absolutely no idea. How long did no we idea. just spend like looking for that word? More. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh God. They were distributing to like. Not dispensaries, but like... Uh, oh, we joked about them distributing to yeah, yeah. dispensaries. Yeah, no, they didn't, but... <laughs> but to, to health stores or whatever. Yeah, so they distributed to health stores. Anyway. That was a really, <laughs> really long tangent of if just I, It was going to bug me so bad if I didn't know that word. Quaaludes, that's the word. Don't know just, why we looked it up. Yeah. Anyways, right. Okay. <laughs> so Mo, who's working for Celestial Seasonings, he's a co-founder, owns it, um... They would actually go on to become just incredibly successful in the tea industry. And by the 1980s, Celestial Seasonings controlled about 51% of the American tea market alone. Just them. That's a lot. And I didn't find wow. any stats on international sales, but I'm pretty sure that was high as well. If they own 51% of the American tea market. How shady are they, are they at this point? Because they don't seem that bad. They seem pretty normal right now. Oh. Uh... <clears throat> I haven't gotten to the okay. bad stuff yet, bad. so. <laughs> gotcha. Because right now they just seem pretty harmless. They just seem like, you know, just hippies making a some. Uh, the, well, the interesting part tea. of this whole thing is actually Mo himself and his friends who are involved with Celestial Seasonings. Okay. Um, like the people working for him that were. What you they know, do with the money. The Colorado or... hippie hippies they they help him out. Okay. Um, this is where the cult shoot comes in. 
Mo Sigao was a believer in what he called, quote, the New Age Bible called the Urantia book. Urantia book. We've been over this. I'm just going to call it the book from now on because okay. I'm not trying to pronounce Urantia. The book was first published in 1955 and it's inspired by the Seventh Day Adventist movement, except for um, one main difference. Uh, this book was supposedly communicated to a man who was possessed and put into a trance by aliens. <laughs> And I looked into this a little bit more. And let me tell you, if you you thought the Bible is whack, you're in for a wild ride. So this thing weighs over four pounds and is 2,097 pages. For reference, (laughs) the the average Bible is only about 1,200 pages. Wow. Yeah. The best part is, though, you can download all of it for free on the Internet. In Arizona, in like 1955, the court declared that it was not copyright protected and thus remain public domain because urantia foundation the ones who supposedly own the book uh say that the book was authored by an alien and because it was written by an alien human u.s law does not apply to it and therefore it's not copyright protected makes perfect sense to me yeah imagine being the judge who got that case though you're like i went to eight years of school for this (laughs) really yeah the people who your honor (laughs) does not apply alien wrote this book oh god okay (laughs) he's like get out of my courtroom (laughs) He's taking quaaludes. <laughs> got him hitting that rope He's pocket. Popping. He's like, oh, goodness. <laughs> you got to if you this got this. Horrible. Anyways, but the people who believe in this spirituality or religion or whatever you want to call it do believe, in fact, that it was written by an alien. Um, but more likely, us regular people believe that it was written by a nam, a, a nam, a man named William Sadler. Don't spit out your tea at me. A nam is the alien. You know I can't pronounce things. <laughs> You just switched the <laughs> you switched the N and the N. Okay. Maybe we'll, that's the type of alien though. The a Nam. That's the alien race. Can I get with my <laughs> <Sorry>. case? <laughs> We've been here for two hours and I'm on page one still. Oh god. Two, I, we, let no, me we've check probably the time been here, here for like Holy an hour. Shit. We're at forty minutes with our recording. <laughs> Twenty of that was me just trying to find the word yeah. quaaludes. Oh my god. Anyways, goodness. but okay, William Sadler was a surgeon and psychiatrist in the early 1900s. Um, He actually studied under Sigmund Freud for a year, so he was somewhat accomplished academically, um, but he did publish a bunch of articles and books about eugenics and was basically just known for being a racist. okay, yeah, so he's just a huge eh, racist. Yeah. He was a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church uh, for about 20 years, but left after the church ostracized his wife's uncle for some reason. I don't know, Wikipedia didn't go into it, but that's probably where the Seventh-day Adventist influence comes in. And around 1910, Sadler and some of his fellow medical professionals were treating an unusual patient. Uh, they were treating this guy who had really a really weird sleep condition. He would like have these fits in his sleep and like have full-on conversations to you, but be dead, dead asleep, you know? Um, and Whoa. apparently, while the patient was sleeping... Um, he would talk and tell Sadler that he was an extraterrestrial being. He's off ludes. He's, He's off, off the ludes. And Sadler spent years studying this dude, um, but eventually all the other doctors came to the same conclusion that this man had no mental illness or other known medical condition. He was just a sleep talker is what they, the other doctors came to. But William Sadler was the only one to actually believe that this man was genuine about his alien heritage. And like man. over the course of, probably about five years, Sadler and his assistants would come visit the man while he slept just to hear him talk and ask him questions about the cosmos, history, spirituality, everything, really. 
His subconscious is just going off. That's interesting. So they think this guy is tapped into that knowledge from that book? Mm-hmm. No, they haven't written the book yet. So oh, okay. Th- so that's this what guy this is basically from. just has talked to Jesus, basically, is what this is. Um, and eventually... Talk to Jesus and is an alien? Or talk to Jesus who is an alien? So... Let I'm me get following. into let me get into okay. it. <laughs> this guy would talk in his sleep. He told Sadler that he was an extraterrestrial being and would just answer any question that Sadler asked him. But we'll get into his responses. Okay. What, okay, supposedly I should say all of the man's conversations and answers to all these questions were recorded in what is called the Urantia book. It's basically just one long novel written by a sleeping man. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> So and they're just taking notes. They're like, oh, yeah, good yeah, one, good one. They, they wrote down everything that he said, and supposedly that's what the book is. Oh um, and the man was never actually identified. He remained anonymous to the public throughout this whole thing. Did this dude ever wake up? Is he in a coma? Is that No, he wasn't in a coma. He would wake up, but when he slept. slept, yeah. He remained anonymous. There wasn't a lot more into the case because probably to respect his privacy, but... He just wakes up, um, and there's like a lot of dudes people, sitting around him with journals, and he's like, what I'm the sure hell are you guys doing? I'm sure he's cognizant that... When he wakes up, he will know that there are people there. They don't just break into his house. (laughs) But a lot of people actually believe that it was Sadler's brother-in-law, but we can't know for sure. I was picturing him in the hospital. I don't know why. Yeah, I think they were in a sanitarium. What's that? Is that like a mental? Yeah, it's like a mental institution back in the day. That's what they called him. Um, It sounds so bad. Sanitarium. Yeah. Just makes me think it's really clean. Sanitary. It. I don't know. It makes me think they're doing like lobotomies and stuff. Mm, yeah, it does know. have it that connotation. It just sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> because like every every time a sanatorium is mentioned, it's also like, oh, and we torture the people yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. As Megan Giller says in her article, that's probably not really what happened at all. More likely is that William Sadler just used this book as a vessel to promote his racist ideas, and it's it's hard to to know where to even start with this like in her article megan just straight up says that the content of this book is some of the roast the roast some of the most racist material she's ever read huh and this whole thing is just crazy like you think love weaving their racism into everything yeah the christian bible has a lot of like crazy stories and a lot of like different plot lines going on but multiply the number of pages by two and the crazy by 10. Oh, wow. So despite only having about like two to 3,000 followers of this religion, the book of Urantia has been translated in over 20 languages. They sell copies of it, but mm-hmm, you yeah. can find it other places for free. Um, and the people that believe this stuff are just so incredibly dedicated to it. Okay, let's get into some of the content, like see what these people are really about and brace yourself. Okay. Like, honestly, brace yourself. <laughs> okay. We'll start uh, out easy, though. Uh, in the book, Lucifer, Satan, Adam and Eve, and Jesus are all alien beings who have visited Earth. <laughs> Mo Sigal said that, quote, Adam and Eve were brought to Earth to step up the human race. I don't know what that means. Why? They just, <laughs> they're like, okay, we're going to take this idea that Adam and Eve were human and they're the first humans and we're going to, you know, flip that around a little bit. They're actually <laughs> add aliens. Some spice. <laughs> yeah, add some, <laughs> add some uh, celestial seasoning. <laughs> yeah. Sprinkle it in. And in the book, it says that there have been millions of sons of God, so like millions of Jesuses, um, on a bunch of different planets. And it says that there are <laughs> a, a billion worlds that once, quote, evolution is complete... 
these worlds will have hundreds of thousands local universes with 10 million inhabited planets. They're just going off. They're, I think they're just saying numbers at this point, honestly. <laughs> they're like, how can we make this even bigger? <laughs> how can we one up the Bible? Yeah. Ooh, a million, a oh, billion planets. Jesus only had one planet? <laughs> Joke's on him. We have 10 million. There was only one Jesus? <laughs> we had 100 million. Yeah. So <laughs> suck it, Christians. <laughs> Earth is called Urantia, hence the name of the book, and it's number 606 in a planetary group called Satania, the headquarters of this planetary group being a place called Jerusalem. Not Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> it kind of feels like it's like a sci-fi knockoff Bible in a way. Oh, yeah. And like, absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for all the racist ideology in this entire book, it could have made a cool novel <laughs> if it wasn't racist, but... So apparently when we die, we're reincarnated from planet to planet. And then finally we go to this place called the paradise where the main deity lives and deity is capitalized in all of this writing. So I think that's maybe what they call their God or like their, their version of the Christian God. I don't know. Honestly, I could not track this entire time. I was like trying to read little like quotes from this book and I was like, no, thank you. It was going over my head. Um, And apparently there's just a little a little bit of the deity in each of us called i love this part it's called a thought adjuster everybody has a little piece of jesus in them and it's called their thought adjuster uh, <laughs> i don't what know a, what that means what a horrible oh god that's just a terrible way to explain it <laughs> hey i believe and i know it's real in my thought adjuster like, <laughs> like it's like a pacemaker but for your brain <laughs> my thought adjuster is not working right honestly thought adjuster just kind of sounds like another word for therapy <laughs> okay and the urantia foundation so basically the the church of this spirituality or religion um, says that the book was written by a divine or extraterrestrial being and th- there's this term that they use a lot in all of their like writings and and bylaws and all that jazz and it's called revelator and i'm not sure if this refers to the being himself who is supposedly divine like their version of god or if the alien that spoke to Sadler is the relevator, you know, the guy who spoke in his sleep. I don't know if that guy's the relevator or I don't huh. even know if the relevator was Sadler himself who just wrote down all of the answers to the questions that he got from this alien. There's so much going on in this. Like, I cannot. There's no tracking it. Yeah, I can see how you couldn't track yeah. it. Yeah. Like, wow. I even I took notes by hand and on the computer <laughs> and I still I don't know anything about this. It's not really worth assembling. In it's a... 2047 pages. Yeah. Of yeah. crap like this. Yeah, it's probably not <laughs> so really like, uh, worth dissecting that that much. Let me you're gonna need some time if you want to, let me yeah. tell you that. Um and Commit so your whole life to studying this thing. <laughs> you go insane. You need your thought adjuster adjusted. <laughs> so um I don't know, but the the revelator seems to be an important piece of terminology within this re- religion. <laughs> Bible two, the relevator. <laughs> I hear it Bible stars two, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jesus. Starring I am Zorelavator. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare set, to be beamed. Set your thought adjusters for. Set your stun. thought adjusters to level 6,000. <laughs> Buckle in, guys. It's This movie's a wild ride. Oh, just this gonna... would be a great movie, yeah. <laughs> well, film, if it wasn't for the adaptation. racism. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just let me get to it. <laughs> it gets bad. Um, but in the book, 
is that's just what I'm going to call it. I'm not, I'm tired of using the remaining mental capacity I have to try and figure out how to pronounce Urantia. Is it Urantia? Urantia? I don't know. Urantia. I don't know. I don't know. But in, the, in this book, the relevator, here, the relevator has a name. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The brilliant evening star of Nebadon. <laughs> They had so yeah. much fun writing That's this book. That's what they call me, me too. Let me tell you. The sleep-talking guy is just talking <laughs> the craziest shit. He's and they're like, like, oh, yes. Perfect. He's just saying just the relevator. stuff. <laughs> and they're like, this is good. Write that down. 900 Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's make it 1,000. <laughs> Did he say 100 or a million? I don't know. Go with the bigger one. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put 100 and then uh, 10 pages we'll put 1,000. Yeah, it just keeps getting bigger as we go. Yeah, you can tell a man wrote it. Um, the <laughs> just keeps upping it, but you know that's probably not true. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so okay, the elevator. It says it says <laughs> in the book that the brilliant evening star of Nebadon calls for Uranitans, the believers of this religion to replace Christianity. And they call it in the book, the true religion of the future. Are you still laughing at the penis joke? Oh no, I'm laughing at just all that craziness. It's a lot. I think Christianity is crazy too. But yeah. This is like, but this is even bro. next level. Okay. And in the book itself, it does contain a lot of racist themes and ideology. Um, as much as Mo Seagal has tried to present the opposite, you know, the, the founder of Celestial Seasonings, he's he's always tried to like distance himself from the race, like the racism going mm-hmm. on in yeah. the the ideologies that he believes. But literally in the book, it says five hundred thousand years ago there were six colored races on Earth, or Urantia as they call it: red, so yellow, orange, green, blue, and indigo. So basically, the violet? I don't know. Quote, the earlier races are somewhat superior to the later. The red man stands far above the indigo or black race and each succeeding evolutionary manifestation of a distinct group of mortals represents variation at the expense of the original endowment. The yellow race usually enslaves the green while the blue man subdues the indigo. And like in this <laughs> weird puzzle man. of rainbow colored races, blue the blue race corresponds to Caucasians and the indigo people in the story correspond to black people in real life so it sounds like this this whole thing is just extremely racist they're just masking their racism with different with colors. different colors yeah it, it doesn't so make it better stupid. and the books like also says that on every planet in the universe these blue-eyed fair-skinned aliens named adam oh and eve appear to quote upstep the natives whatever that means and basically when adam and eve mate with quote acceptable inhabitants of one planet inferior stocks will be eliminated and there will Whoa. be one purified race one language and one religion and oh quote. my god that's literally a quote from the book adam and eve colonizing yeah every universe and then also being hitler mm-hmm. that that quote that i what? just said was from this book called garantia the great cult mystery written by martin gardner and i read a few articles from him actually in they were super helpful. He's he's the skeptic of the whole thing, as I'm sure most of us are. Um, and he wrote an entire book about the history of this religion, starting from its inception in the early 1900s with William Sadler to like nowadays. They're still operating today. Wow. Um, and so continuing on with that weird racist rainbow idea, 
Um, when Adam and Eve come to planets and mate with the best of the best to create, quote, one purified race, everyone else on the planet is eliminated. But apparently this didn't go to plan on Earth because the book says, quote, having failed to achieve race harmonization by the Adamic technique, you must now work out your planetary problem of race improvement by other and largely human methods of adaptation and control. Race improvement. That's sketchy. Race okay. improvement and har- race harmony? I don't yeah. think that's what they think it, it says. Means. Oh, Adam and Eve failed, so you guys got to take care of it yourself, oh is basically what this says. I'm like, why would the Nazis love this, okay? Like, one of the reviews on the back cover is like, oh my god, I love this book, review by Hitler. Like, I think it's time to take it off the shelves. Does it, what? No, it doesn't actually okay, say that. Right. I just made that yeah, up. I was like, that's Can you imagine, though? Questionable, that would yeah. definitely be on this cover. <laughs> I mean, it fits pretty well. Hitler's like, oh my god, this is my favorite book. <laughs> Like, Besides okay. mine own. <laughs> but the text itself literally says that evil comes in the form of illness and disease because, quote, this is a quote, unfit people like Australian natives and the bushmen and pygmies of Africa, these miserable remnants of the non-social peoples of ancient times have been eliminated. This book is just one big novel about eugenics and genocide, basically. And yeah. this will be my last quote from the book, I promise. There's just so much that I feel like I have to say. It's just so incredibly awful and almost unbelievable. But the book says, quote, Biologic renovation of the racial stocks, the selective elimination of inferior human strains will tend to eradicate any mortal inequalities. So they just mean genocide. and Yeah, they just mean kill all the people who are less than. That's what they mean. Mm -hmm. Race, racial harmony. Mm -hmm. Just kill everyone that's not white. And, okay, I want to play a game. So let's let's play a game. Okay. I'm gonna read you a it's quote. It's gonna be a fun game, or I'm gonna read you a quote, and <laughs> okay. you're gonna tell me what book it's from. So here it is. What are the options, or do I just have to guess? You gotta guess. Here, here's the quote: "The demand that defective people be prevented from propagating equally defective off- offspring represents the most human act of mankind." Uh, green eggs and ham. If you guessed Mind Kampf, you'd be correct. So they're quoting Mein Kampf? <laughs> no, I did because it sounds just like the stuff coming out of this book. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were saying the book was I was like, mein am Kampf. I reading Mein Kampf right now? Because this sounds like the Holocaust, like the Sheesh. Nazi ideology. So, yeah, William Sadler was just so racist. I cannot uh. even believe it. And I know, obviously, that there are racist people in today's day and age. But the things like social media and like that. publishing yeah. guidelines, there's I feel like there's more safeguards in keeping this harmful ideology away from people than there obviously was back in 1900. I mean, it's not perfect eh. nowadays, uh, but there's more than there that. was in 1900. I mean, this is just crazier. And it's well, the, it's not as sinister, I would say, just because it's so loopy. I think we have actually worse stuff. It's now. still sinister. It's just masquerading as religion it's yeah. still just i'm racist and i'm gonna say what i think about it but i'm gonna make it aliens instead of real people yeah so i mean but that's this what man, we got right now like this Christian man, dominionists in, in in government right now well okay this man wrote three whole books on eugenics before he wrote this book yeah um he just wrote three books on eugenics Sheesh. and racial superiority he ah. literally wrote a book yeah. called i'm just gonna say brace yourself he literally wrote a book called long heads and round heads what's the matter with germany his other two books are called racial decadence an examination of the causes of racial degeneration in the united states and the truth about heredity um sounds great (laughs) yeah 
And it's not like these books were written in 1860. These were written in like the late 1920s. Like we were about to go into the Great Depression. Bro. Um, and the worst part is the Urantia book contains a lot of the same ideology out of these books that he wrote about eugenics. And some of the ideology about these topics are literally just like blatant repeated word for word in the Urantia. He just repeated his own books in what he called the New Age Bible. Yikes. Yeah, he's just bringing it all together. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I almost forgot we were talking about a tea company. If I buy some Sleepy Time tea, is that going to go... Uh, your money will pro- probably partially go to a racist foundation. No. So, um, well, that's a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, um, if I can identify it, I will avoid it. <laughs> that's why I buy Stash. This podcast is promoted by Stash. Too. No, it's not. I wish, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one of the founders of Celestial Seasonings and a lot of other people, too, who work for the company and worked for this man, um, believe in all of this. Like, they are still active members. Mo Sigal, as of 2008, was the president of the Urantia Foundation. And there's there's this book called... Yikes. You've got to read this book. That's a weird name, by the way. Sigal? Like, Sigal? Yeah. Seagulls. (laughs) Anyways, back to the racism. There's this book (laughs) called... You've got to read this book. 55 people tell the story of the book that changed their life. It's this book about... They interview 55 people about the book that changed their life and... Okay. Mo Sigal was one of the people interviewed. Um, and of course he talks about Urantia and in it, he mm. said that at first he thought it was like the goofiest stuff he'd ever heard. But then he said that after he read it, he wasn't even concerned about the people who had written it or how it had been written because it was so powerful. He's like, uh, I just <laughs> forgot really the racist stuff in there. <laughs> uh, and he said that when he found the book in 1969, which is the year he hiked, he uh, hiked up to the Rockies to get all these herbs. He said that the book was actually the reason he started Celestial Seasonings. He said that the teachings in the book helped him realize that it would be selfish to focus solely on material success. And instead, he wanted to help people. So he decided to do that through the health food industry and tea. Um, And he actually says that the teachings in the book were the inspiration for the uplifting quotes they print on the side of their tea boxes and on the tea bags. Oh, excuse me no. i'll be right back i'm just gonna go yeah we gotta throw go away it. three boxes of teas i'll be back what it, we gotta <laughs> check the quotes on there i didn't bring the box with me today okay okay but well, i'll look when i get quote. home yeah. yeah and he said like employees have literally said like told the press that mo and the other co-founder john hayes would frequently quote the book in meetings and would say <laughs> that they ran the company according to the values portrayed in the book <laughs> Okay, guys. And then they're uh, like, but today we're gonna it's, work not really hard. it's not racist. It's not racist. Do it for the 600 Jesus. <laughs> do it the, for Jesus it for 606. The, yeah, do, do it for Jesus 309. I do it all for you, alien Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, but he's actually been questioned about all the racist ideology in this book. And because he, he loves this book so much. But he says, quote, all persons are equal in the sight of God and race should become irrelevant. That quote in itself, like not even given that his his obviously racist background, but it's ignorant in itself. Then adding on top of it that he lives his life according to what's basically a shrine to eugenics, even worse. You know how people are like, I don't see color. And like, you're contributing to the problem. He's like, well, technically, according to God, everybody's equal. But like, come on. He's like, well, really? Talk to me uh, after really? the interview. Yeah, exactly. He's like, off the record. Yeah, off the record, though. And we got these, uh, you know, these red, blue, orange, yellow people, and uh, the blue ones are the 
the blue ones enslave the green ones. And uh, it's a, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know where I'm going with that. <laughs> don't, I was just going to let you go. It's funny, though. <laughs> I was just watching you that whole time. The hand motions were really interesting. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> he, we do need a video of this. We <laughs> do need a <laughs> This is really funny. He actually retired in 2002, so he's not a part of the company anymore. Uh, but Celestial Seasonings continues to dominate the American tea market. And as much as I hate to say it, actually did some good stuff to the company, not the guy. I mean, yeah. Frick that guy. Um, <laughs> but Celestial Seasonings helped invent an entire category of natural health foods. Oh. Like that really didn't exist before the 1980s. And Celestial Seasonings what, was one tea? of the. No, just health foods in general. Celestial seasonings really brought it into the mainstream because before to get like organic or like, you know, allergy friendly foods, you'd have to go to a specialty like health oh. food store. Oh, okay. uh, like my grandma has celiac disease mm -hmm. and like she got diagnosed in like the 70s and she couldn't eat anything. Basically, she had to cook all of her wow. own food. Um, so so like, wait, do, does, does Celestial seasonings make other stuff? No, they just make tea, but the the larger company, the Hain Celestial Corporation that they are under makes okay. more products okay sweet yeah well good for them and their packaging and products continually receive just great ratings in terms of social and environmental impact um but they're not without okay. their faults there was a huge lawsuit not too long ago that accused celestial seasonings of falsely labeling their products because they say that their products are all natural but the lawsuit alleges that they actually contain pesticides um, there's an ingredient called propaclor that's in sleeping time kids tea they make like a kids blend <laughs> um that's known to be a toxic carcinogenic <laughs> and harmful oh to reproductive god. health in humans oh my god <laughs> yeah and that's my wow. cake for, that's my cake that's which, my which, case for this week which what was the what was the name of that one let's make up some it's fake sleepy names time it's called good night grape <laughs> good night forever grape <laughs> yeah oh please celestial seasonings bro <laughs> They're like making kids in <laughs> infertile <laughs> with their teeth. <laughs> like, don't worry, it's all natural though. All natural. Uh, no oh, grandkids. Terrible. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna finish my box of sleepy time tea at home because I'm not gonna be wasteful. Yes, I already bought good. it. They good already stuff. have my money. But you can bet your ass I'm not buying any more of that racist mm -hmm. tea. Stash and uh, what is Tazo? That's the way to go. Coney. Yeah, Tazo's good. Tazo's really good. Anyways, I like just getting like bulk tea as well. Yeah, that's true. It's cheap. And Winco. They have the little... I just like to oh, pull Winco? levers. I do. And Winco has the levers that you pull, and then it yeah. drops a tea into the bag. Anyway, so that's my case for this week. Nice. Nice. That yeah. was great. It, yeah, it was I, that's something. not at all the direction I thought that was going to no. go. No. At first, because I saw it on TikTok, and it didn't explain anything. It just said, y'all got to Google the Celestial Seasonings cult. And I was like, like the tea? The I love hell? the tea. And I was like, oh, maybe they like... They're a cult, as in like they have a compound out that's in the middle what I was of nowhere thinking. and yeah. like make flower crowns and grow weed. That's what I was thinking. I, yeah, that's where I was going with that. But <laughs> oh this boy, was, was I wrong? Woo! That's a little different. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, they might still make flower crowns, but they just say "I hate black people" on them. <laughs> <laughs> flower crowns that say "We rule over the what is it? The red people." Fuck the indigos is probably what I know. They the say. red people were the superior ones, and they ruled over the blue. white people are blue, and then apparently oh. black people are indigo for some reason. Dude, I don't know what like, like red, orange, so green, and track. yellow are. It's so stupid. I hate it. But yeah, maybe uh, think about that the next time you're at the grocery store looking for some tea. Mm-hmm. But damn, this is a really good blend, I will say. I'm going to miss it. Get that sleepy time, sleepy time grape, shrivel up your grapes. 
<laughs> I took a drink of my <laughs> tea right as he said. I like that. I I feel very appreciated with that. Good night, shriveled grapes. <laughs> Good night, shriveled grapes. Uh, uh, yeah. Good night, grape. No grandkids edition. <laughs> Oh, kids that's being infertile—that's hilarious. That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Okay. Again, true crime comedy podcast. Strange, strange combination. Best way to do it. I'm gonna get up. Laugh and away get the some, pain. I, yeah. I can't feel my butt cheeks. I'm gonna. I've been down here for eight pages. I want some water. For, I stand for in the corner. Time tea. Oh God, my cheeks. Oh my cheeks. <laughs> I've been down here for eight pages. Home, home on the range. Where the deer and the antelope play. Sleepy time great. More like sleepy time in fertile children. Why would you want your children to be fertile? I don't need birth control. I just drink sleepy time goodnight grape. <laughs> you just got to remember to take it at the same time every night. Otherwise, it's ineffective. Goodnight grape. One cup of goodnight grape a day keeps the children away. <laughs> Good. Nice. I'm just kidding. I, everybody's going to think I hate kids because that's all I ever say on this podcast. <laughs> I don't hate kids. I'm just scared of them, especially babies. Why do they have a soft spot on their head? It's like a built-in self-destruct button. Tea. Sleepy time tea. Where the racists and hippies all play. Good night, fertility. Oh, my God. My butt cheeks. Good night testicles that will not grow. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, I gotta God, stop. So funny. <laughs> All right, so this one is my case now. I'm this, so ready. It's my turn. This one's about fire, pyromania, a fireman who is a pyromaniac. And that would make a good a show. Just absolutely like Dexter, pro- prolific. Fire. One of the greatest. <laughs> the greatest of all time. Rawr, 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 rawr. Oh, man. <laughs> it's actually it's pretty terrible, though. Okay, so. <laughs> You're like, um, anyways, people died. Yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I hate when we do that. We, like, make a joke, and then the next line so is like, when you do uh, he's promoting genocide. I'm like, oh. <laughs> we just laughed at this guy. We just laughed at his name, and now he just died in his own home or something like that. Yeah. Mike Pepperoni. Mike Pepperoni. <laughs> Pepperoni. <laughs> was murdered in his home. Oh, God. That's the funniest. Okay, I love fire. You know that. I love fire. Messing around with fire is natural, I would say. Because, like, you, it looks cool. Like, why would you not mess around with fire? But you got to learn that it can hurt you and other people. Yeah, I think you know, you know that. Beyond that, you got to understand that hurting people is less important than, ooh, cool fire. Ah, fire. <laughs> I've heard stories about you and fire. I told myself <laughs> that I was doing things more safe than I really was. Because I was like, I want to see some cool fire. But, I mean,. Nobody was hurt, <laughs> and it was. I learned my lesson this you know. time. God, come, come on! on. But the man I'm talking about today really was not deluding himself into thinking he wasn't doing harm. He was just like, I mean, but the fire is cool, so He's, I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Got the urge. John Orr, the Pillow Pyro. That's his. That's his nickname, the Pillow Pyro. Mm, I feel like that could could have been cooler. I know. I mean, we shouldn't give. <laughs> don't people, give serial killers cool yeah, names. Don't give them cool nicknames. But yeah, he would start fires in pillows sometimes in stores. That's where his nickname came from. I mean, not lame, that cool. But okay. John Orr was in the profession of protecting people from fires, but you know that's 
not really what he's going to do. I got my info from like his Murderpedia and listening to a Wine and Crime episode. Hell wine yeah. Shout out Wine and Crime. Best podcast ever. Yeah, I listened to it twice over just because it was so funny. I just love Wine and Crime. Yeah, they're hilarious. Those they were gals like, have my heart. Yeah, they were like telling about the the signs of pyromania and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then they're like, that sounds like me. <laughs> every every like five minutes, they'd be like, that sounds like me. <laughs> so funny. Okay, we're talking about another podcast on yeah, our podcast. Finish this one first yeah. and then you can go check out Wine and Crime. Yes. And uh, it's like the second episode is the arson one. Yeah. Um, Necrophilia is their first one. That's a good episode. <laughs> but also How Stuff Works uh, podcast on How Pyromania. Fire works. And I think Arson. And they mentioned John Orr briefly, but yeah. How Arson And then works. also there's Take a two-episode interview fire. with the author of a book on John Orr. Oh. Uh, the, the podcast is called Twisted Podcast. <laughs> and the book that he wrote is called Burned, Pyromania, Murder, and a Daughter's Nightmare. So oh. Like, he consults with John Orr's daughter, oh. uh, Lori Orr, and it's written by Frank Giridot with help from John Orr's daughter, Lori Orr. Hmm. So it's actually, it's pretty good. I haven't read it, but the interview that uh, Twisted Podcast did with this guy was really good. Hmm. And that's where I, that's not where I got most of my information, but it was like a good way to conceptualize everything and how it fits into this guy's life. He really, first off, he really wanted to be a cop. He wanted like that power, you know? And it took him a while to get to some kind of position of power like that, but he never was a cop. Mm-hmm. His first aspiration was to work with the in the L.A. police, but mm-hmm. they rejected him because his psych evaluation showed that he was like kind of schizophrenic and like a loner, and he had a disdain for authority. So they don't really want that, you know. That's not what they're looking for. But the fire department's like, yeah, we'll take him. Well, the L.A. fire department didn't take him either. That was his next try. Oh, he couldn't pass the physical test, which was carrying a heavy wooden ladder for a block. And then being able to climb up it onto a building. Hmm. So he's like, dang, what am I going to do now? He really wanted, like I said, he really wanted one of these civil protection type of jobs. Mm -hmm. But he decided to settle for store security. (laughs) So he worked for a few stores as security for a while. He was a Paul Blart. And then he eventually heard of a small fire department, much smaller than the L.A. department, that had like minimal funding. Lowest in the state, actually. (laughs) <laughs> he's like now's and, my chance yeah seriously and really relaxed hiring tests and there's most importantly no psych ev- uh, evaluation or physical test oh, God. so he's like this is my shot <laughs> yeah he served for years in the glendale california fire department his first job here was scouting for areas of risk in the you know in the area mm-hmm. like decrepit buildings and fire hazards he was supposed to ticket people and educate them on making their land safer so they don't accidentally burn alive in a house fire oh god but since I'm talking about John on our true crime podcast, he's obviously going to use this position for his own sadistic purposes. So right away, he begins misusing his power. He would harass people about the safety of their yard. <laughs> he actually got into a physical fight with someone while really over-the-top mad, just pestering a dude about his lack of lawn care. He's just you like, know how pissed I would be if dead. somebody was like, your grass is dead. You got to water that. Yeah. Like, you water it. <laughs> And then they get into a fisticuffs. <laughs> then they just set your house on fire. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I had it coming. <sighs> yeah, but stuff like this <laughs> was really mom. common behavior for him. So he's really not a chill guy. Like he really, he gets really mad when people aren't safe with fire, which is weird because he's an arsonist. He's like, but like you better be safe with fire because I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he gets pissed. And also, so on top of this, he would pretty much pretend that he was a police officer because that was his kind of first goal. So one time 
He saw two guys he thought were burglars or in a Hispanic gang and decided to tail them. So there's really no there's no reason. No all, reasonable cause. All while he's in his fire truck, supposed to be scouting for danger, like fire hazards, whatever. So he chased them through red lights in a high-speed chase and caused them to crash. One runs away, and he held the other at gunpoint, oh which you're not supposed to have a gun, and attempted to he's arrest a the fire, guy. He's a fire yeah. person. He's what supposed to be scouting. He's a firefighter. He's supposed to be scouting. It's like his first position, and he freaking pulls like, a gun on a guy. How'd you get a gun? We didn't even give you crash. a Dalmatian. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Dalmatians in the fire department. Yeah. yeah. That's a thing. It used to be. see them anymore, yeah. So another when, time while scouting. When fire trucks were horse-drawn carriages, they used to run behind the carriage. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I like that. I don't know why I know that. That's Why Why did they do that? Is it just morale? Well, they'd also, like, find people in the rubble. Oh, okay, that's fair. I didn't think Dalmatians were, like, known for that. Like, bloodhounds, right? But yeah, but Dalmatians are faster than bloodhounds, and they had to run behind the carriage. Oh, maybe German Shepherd would be better. I don't know. I don't know. I only know I only know the, the basics of that fact. Yeah, Stop bad. grilling me. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Stop grilling me. So another time, this is really crazy. He he's out in his fire truck scouting for fire hazards. What's I just up? got the best the best text of my life. What'd you get? Connor, my brother, just texted me saying, Thousand Pound Sisters is now on Hulu. <laughs> it's a show. <laughs> it's what? a show I've been binge watching. It's it's called Thousand Pound Sisters. There's one sister, Tammy, who who's like 650 pounds, and then her other sister, Amy, was like 500 pounds, but she's That's lost a bunch of weight. Pounds. 650 oh, okay. plus five. Okay, well. But she's lost a bunch of weight, and she's pregnant with a baby, but she's still like losing weight. It's a process. Anyways, emotions. this thank you. This show, I've been <laughs> I've been loving it. All right. And now it's on Hulu. I was watching it pirated on YouTube. That's so funny. Somebody was just filming their TV. Oh, my God. You like it that much? <laughs> yeah, it's good. I could never. I'm addicted. Sheesh. You make fun of Jacob for watching uh, volleyball anime, and then you watch Thousand Pound Sisters? <laughs> That's great. All right. Jacob so, makes me watch the gay volleyball anime. Are they gay? I don't know. They're definitely the way all the, the way the brown-haired kid looks at the red-haired kid. <laughs> okay. Out scouting in his fire truck. He sees some women in bikinis in their pool, in their in their in their yard, and he's like, "Oh, perfect! I can abuse my power with this." And so he goes to their backyard, starts a fire, runs around to save the day. Jeez. And then when the husband comes home, so he started this fire and it's like raging, and he's like, "Oh my god, I gotta save you guys!" So, pretty messed up. It's like, "Oh my god, she's gonna ask me to <laughs> to be her lover now that I've saved her from the oh husband's home." Yeah, and then the Oops. husband comes home uh john's like look this just happened because you didn't cut your weeds i'm finding you 500 dollars." <laughs> <laughs> but he no. started the fire in the backyard so he could be like the shining knight in armor or whatever so funny he just thinks he's like some hollywood dude i don't know his his like he's really the main character in his own show oh right yeah now. absolutely he truly believes he's the main character right now for sure so he's also the antagonist as well yeah the things the department did know about him, you'd expect them to fire this guy, like, immediately, right? Like, he pulled a gun on somebody. You're not even supposed to have a gun. Bro, we ain't That's even not okay. They dog. were horrified when they learned about that. But they didn't fire him because they're, you know, they're low on staff. They're underfunded. And he's actually not, he's not bad at his job. They're like, okay, you can stay, <laughs> but you get the tiny fire engine, all right? No, yeah, they actually promote him. Oh, no. He gets promotion after promotion. 
just to keep him away from the public. So he's like not <laughs> Yeah. But we'll pay you to stay away from people. Him. Just yeah. God, please. This turned out to be a bad move. Who could have thought? Because uh, his higher position allowed him more freedom to do all this crazy bullshit. So he becomes an arson investigator, which is like his dream job. Not really. He wanted to work for L.A. police. But he's perfectly su- suited for this position because he knows quite a bit about arson. He was actually... <laughs> I wonder why. And actually, he was really good at his job. He had good senses of where the point of origin was, which is where the start of the fire was. Because he set them? Well, <laughs> yeah, but also he actually did have good instincts. Um, and he knew like whether some sort of accelerant was used in the fire, like gasoline or kerosene or whatever. And remember when he was driving around looking for fire hazards? Yeah. Turns out this is a pretty good research for prime locations to commit arson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of the time he knew where the point of origin was, like you said, because he started the fire. <laughs> so he's the one doing it. Yeah. And he's like, guys, I got this. I got this. Don't he, worry. He would walk straight in. Like he wouldn't even search the area. He's not even like scanning the area. Because you're supposed to do a sweep. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard. You yeah, gotta, he doesn't even put on the fire suit. He just walks he just in because he, he, he knows where, knows where to where go. Is. Yeah. He's so dramatic. I know. John, I get know. a hold of yourself. So funny. So, okay, this is crazy. He's thought to have set somewhere from 1,000 to 2,000 fires during his time as an arson oh. investigator. That is insane. <laughs> Every fire they investigated was just his. I mean, once he's apprehended, which is a while later... Okay, arson investigators cited that after Orr was arrested, the number of brush fires in the nearby footfall, foothill areas decreased by over 90%. No. 90%. He's arrested, and there's 90% there were, less brush, brush fires. There were brush fires that he was setting, insane. like, forests and stuff on fire? Like, oh, fields? yeah. He, no, yeah, like, the you know how California always has, like, forest fires? Yeah. He probably, they're, like, pretty uh, sure he caused some of those. Smokey is so disappointed like right now. Oh, yeah. Smokey's <laughs> pissed at this guy. This is like Smokey's mortal enemy. Okay, so that's just insane. Like 2,000 fires. That's a lot of fires. While fire. you're an arson investigator? That is ridiculous. So you don't get away with this many arsons for this long without knowing some strategy for it. So one of the things you would do was start a small fire out in a field, like I said, like the on the hills or whatever. Or just some patch of grass. This would draw the fire department's attention and resources away from his actual target location. Hmm. And with a time delay incendiary device, he would devastate buildings unoccupied or occupied. doesn't really matter to him. His classic time delay device is a set of matchbooks or Mm -hmm. a matchbook with a lit cigarette sticking out of it. So as the cigarette burns down, oh, also some like tinder, like cotton or paper wrapped around it with a rubber band. So as the cigarette would burn closer to the matches, he could get away. And then, so placing these in pillows is what it gave him the nickname Pillow Pyro. Mm. But he would place these near flammables. And placing these near flammables in a store brought the fiery death to four people in <gasps> one 1984 fire. What, okay, yeah. was his prime goal to save the people, like a hero complex? Like he set the fires to be the I hero in the end? Really or know. did he want to cause harm? Like, I think that was just a bonus. People. I'm pretty sure. No, I don't think he wanted to kill people. He didn't mind it, though. He really didn't mind it. Mm. But I would say saving was a bonus if that could be done. But that's not his main goal. His main goal is to make a fire and watch it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also like this cat and mouse game because he claims that, like, once people get onto it, that there's an arsonist in the area <laughs> because he's setting a shitload of fires. 
he's like, oh my God, this guy's taunting me. Like this arsonist is stalking me and taunting me. Everywhere I go, mm. this fire started. It was just so bullshit. But it's like, it's a good story for him. You know, it's a good cover, I guess. He was just <sighs> missing some drama in his life. He needed something. Oh, I mean, that's certainly some good drama for sure. Yeah, so... Half the state of California burns down. This one in 1984 that he set in a uh, department store uh, with four people dead, oh it's actually ruled not arson, which <gasps> really pisses him off because oh. he did it. And also he's like, yeah, he's like, no, it was arson. And he's a arson investigator. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but he did it. And he's like kind of annoyed that his, well, well, his, his work is not being going credited unnoticed. Or, yeah. yeah. So another way he would start fires, which is really weird, is potato chips. They're I didn't flammable? know that, but they're pretty good fire starters. Yeah. Huh. He would go into a store, light the potato chips on fire. Apparently that just works. Hmm. I don't know. I have no idea, but I want to look up YouTube videos about that. You could just do it see in some your fire potato in the chips backyard. On fire. That's true. I could just I shouldn't have light some that. potato chips on fire. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, next time we're camping and we forget to bring newspaper or something, yeah, just use potato, potato chips. chips. Sponsored by Doritos. I wish. <laughs> Love a good Cool Ranch. Oh, that's funny. Ah, Cool Ranch, really? I think I like the, the sweet chili one, or the spicy chili one. Those ones are really good, too. Uh, I love the Tapatio Doritos spicy ones. I don't think I knew about that one. They're good. Huh. But yeah, so... There's also there's so many red flags while this guy's employed. He would show up to fires that he wasn't deployed to, get to fires before pretty much everybody else was a little too familiar with the locations of the fires mm. and would walk straight to the point of origin. Sometimes How without even nobody doing a sweep about of the this? burn location, like I said. I don't they they just think he's a wizard. <laughs> they like, just like he thinks of himself as some sort of Sherlock Holmes super investigator and people working with him, they eventually feel the same way. Like everybody's like they're just like damn this guy's really good it's like that's so raven he like closes his eyes he's like <laughs> like he's like i know where the i know where all the fire like, hydrants are we can do i this. know who did it <laughs> yeah but i mean his advice on arson investigations is widely accepted to be some of the best of his time and he seemed like he advanced the science a little bit but yeah another pretty big major another major red flag is that or that nobody noticed. Um, oh, wait. Another major red flag that nobody really caught on to until, like, his allegations mm-hmm. or his uh, investigation, I guess. When he was training people on arson, his materials included legitimate before, during, and after pictures, pictures of arsons. No, he got the so befores. <laughs> nobody just has intimate before, during, and after pictures of arson, lo- arson locations. Arsonists do. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but nobody's like, how'd you, uh, how'd you know they're gonna do that? How'd you take a picture right where he's, it was? He's like, I was on family vacation, and they're like, oh, can I see the photos? And he's, they're like, where, where are your kids? <laughs> he's like, oh, that, that, that specific spot it's in the fabric of, like, store a building on was fire. interesting to me, so I took a picture of it, and it just so happens, he's like, he's, someone he's got the kids there. in front of the fire. They're waving at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh That's my so god. Bad. But yeah, nobody really questioned this. Like he was just kind of the, he was the man. Like they didn't really, I don't know. They didn't. They thought he was well, weird. They thought he was off. There was something off about him. But they didn't really. Mm-hmm. They nobody put it together. Well, it's like Dexter. I mean, he's good at his job. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to look at that, and he's likable, and you want to look at that I mean, rather he's an than an asshole though. But likable yeah. to people he works with, I guess. 
you want to you want to look at the good before you recognize the bad yeah she's like yeah the guy's a little off but he does good work so i'll let it slide plus he's being protected by his department like yeah they they actually find a fingerprint uh somebody else finds a fingerprint and they suspect that it's somebody in the area Mm. that i mean they suspect that it's an arson investigator and he's one of them and they try to get fingerprint confirmation on like everybody in the area and it's denied so they really they don't want that you know they don't want that kind of investigation going on yeah so they really limit it in the early stages of uh suspicion that an arson investigator is one of the ones or a firefighter is one of the ones committing these arsons it really makes they you really wonder suppress it. it's not how cool. many people are arsonists or like closeted arsonists mm-hmm. and are working in jobs like apparently arson detective work and like firefighters and things like that yeah i don't know a percentage but uh, it seems like firefighter is a is a real popular one for arsonists because you can save people and see fire you know so you still get to work with fire but it's a way to like handle the destructive urges as long as you don't be like this guy and also commit them if you just watch them and save them and save people from fires that's cool but you know it's a it's a serious it's like a legit impulse control Mm -hmm. disorder so it's well, yeah. uh, i mean i can imagine the yeah. same with like people who want to commit violence or like mm-hmm. kill other people like serial killers yeah just go be a cop a lot of uh, them wait, 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 wait. <laughs> well yeah, a lot of people <laughs> like that often go into the military or they go yeah. into like sadly enough like police work or yeah. even like become doctors or nurses oh, a lot of nurses and doctors <laughs> kill people oh, on purpose not a lot i should say but throughout <laughs> history yeah, there have gonna, been a good uh, number uh, we got to trust our doctors I mean, there's a lot of, okay, I'm not even going to go into that. Yeah. But it's like, it's like that same kind of headspace or like that same kind of motivation. Like a lot of times people, they call it the Florence Nightingale syndrome. They'll want to mm. save people. Mm-hmm. So they poison them first to save them. You know? Oh, or they like make them terrible. sick to try and save them. But a lot of times they can't save them because they poison them. Dude, there's enough, there's enough hurting people that you don't have to inflict damage to, to but save. But a lot of people who people have that, like Florence Nightingale, you know, it's messed syndrome work in the medical field dang dude i didn't know about that like especially like elderly care homes they like make their patients sick to like revive them again Mm -hmm. they did that uh dexter he killed one of the nurses that was poisoning his Mm -hmm. dad okay so let me go back to it okay so yeah suspicion that a fire investigator is the one committing arson grew when arsonists were committed around or when arson was committed around the area of an arson investigator conference in California. John Orr is one of the ones who one of the people who attended these conferences. Before this, only one piece of evidence was found on the pillow pyro. So a single fingerprint on an unburned piece of John's favorite incendiary device, like a piece of paper from one of these mm-hmm. delay bomb or whatever. Contraption. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like I would make one of those, but I wouldn't do anything crazy with it. But <laughs> Don't I want to make that one. On air. I want to make one. I want to see what it does. But I'm. But let this be known. I'm not going to commit arson. I don't do that anymore. No, I don't. <laughs> fuck I'm you. kidding. Fuck you. All right. That's missed. All right. So, <laughs> what the hell, Bailey? That's terrible. But yeah, like I said, um, the ATF actually blocks access to these uh, arson investigators' fingerprints because mm. they're like, we don't want to. You know, it's bad publicity. Bad pl- Bad publicity. <laughs> bad publicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad publicity. Um, John's angle on this was that 
a serial arsonist was stalking him and like mocking him with these fires. Oh, yeah, a little cat and mouse chase. Uh huh. Yeah, but more suspicion comes and is narrowed to ten arson investigators who attended the conference. That they're like, okay, it's probably one of these guys. That's uh, and they small are all list, though. they are all men. Apparently, most arsonists are men. Yeah, makes sense. A lot of women, if they want to kill people, they tend to use poison or nonviolent hmm. means of death, hmm. like suffocation. I mean, things like that's that. pretty violent. I mean, suffocation. Yeah, that's or drowning. Freaking, well, a lot of times, violent women. That's horrible. Women will usually kill other women or children before they kill men, just because it's harder to kill men. So if they kill men, Jesus. it's usually poisoning. But if they kill children, it's usually like drowning or suffocation. It's terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I'll kill just because terrible, they're bigger. Yeah. They're bigger than children and other women typically. That is true. But men, obviously, they can't physically take them down, so they poison them usually. Sweet. I think I read too much about this. <laughs> uh, nah, you read just enough. <laughs> okay, so make me a content expert on yeah. murder. The fingerprint was matched to John Orr on April seventeenth, nineteen ninety one. So they eventually 90s. do. Why was I thinking this was in like the fifties? No, no, nope. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember I said eighteen or nineteen eighty four was the the department store fire. <gasps> oh. Four people died. Yeah. I missed that. I was like, oh yeah, nineteen fifty. Mm-hmm. They'll never catch him. Nope. So the That's ATF recent. finally puts tabs on this guy. Yeah. Because they've narrowed it and they're like, okay, this is a serious problem. There's been a sh- a ton of fires at this point. We probably should do something about this. So they investigate. They connect the fingerprints, and they're like, all right, we're going to put tabs on this guy. And they put an early GPS tracker on his car, which mm. it's not one of the ones where you can, like, monitor it from phone or computer. You have to put it on the car, leave it there for a while, let him do his business, go back to the car, grab the thing, and then overlay the data onto a map, mm. see where he's been. But John realizes there's a tracker on his car. So he goes oh. to a bomb squad and he's like, somebody put a bomb on my car. Like, take care of this. And then they throw it away because, oh. yeah, so he's pretty smart. But this works for a bit, but the ATF just puts another one on. Um, Are they not sketched out? They're like, dude, they hide it you better. just investigate arson. Why, does, why would somebody bomb your car? I don't know. But when they get the data back, they, they hide it better. And then they get the data back after a while and they put it over a map and they realize he was super close to a few arsons that happened mm. prior to their burning. So they're like, all right, that's uh, that's sketch. Okay. So two investigators build a federal case against him and link him to a large fire that burned like multiple houses. Oh. And that's the one that like really gets him pretty much. Mm. But his fate's pretty much sealed um, when they find his book because he's written a book. And <gasps> no, yeah, it's don't called. Tell me he kept track of all of these. No, well, kind of. It's called uh, Points of Origin and it's a slightly fictionalized version version of his life he is the main character yeah Yeah. so it's about an arsonist who's also a fireman so oh okay at first uh, i was like oh my god is it his diary dear diary january 3rd 1987 (laughs) that'd be so funny he just talks about two houses Uh. (laughs) gives the exact address it's just the judge just opens it and i was like guilty (laughs) today i found these two bikini babes and i saved them from a fire that i started (laughs) that i said (laughs) it's crossed out (laughs) i started in their backyard It's one yeah. of those like little kid diaries where you have to like say the password into the little speaker <laughs> to yeah. open it. I forgot about those. I had one. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, but in this book, he writes about the real hardware store fire that killed four people, and he has oh. info that only the arsonist would know. So he's an arsonist. Bru- and he's like, yeah. I'm going to get this published yeah. one day. No, no, no. He's trying to keep it. Somebody's going to read it and be like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so a big theme of the story was that the firefighter gets a sexual thrill from the fires. 
Here's a quote from the book. He relaxed and partially stroked his erection, watching no! the fire. <laughs> no! Yeah, so this guy's a... What is Did that? you make that up? No, that's that's a real <laughs> quote. No, that's a real quote from the book. I was like, is he just making some John Orr fan fiction nope, over here? Nope. <laughs> What's that? I forgot. Is it pyro... Pyrophiliac. Yeah, there's fire during... Yeah, so... The nasty. You need fire to do the nasty. Or... Fire sexually aroused him. That we're just gonna say that, and that's my case. That's, basically what that's I it. Said. That's it. He doesn't get executed. Uh, life because in his prison? yeah life in prison. His uh, oh wait, does he get executed? I don't remember. I don't. Th- does California execute people? Well, they made the case to execute him, but his daughter mm. pretty much got him saved from that. So I'm pretty sure he just got life in prison. I'm sorry, I didn't research that. Oh, that's fine. I didn't really care about that part. Once he's like, arrested, eh, it's like, oh, he's whatever. He's arrested, it's over, his life's over. He's either got life in prison or he's dead. So. But it's interesting because he denies that he did a lot of the fires. He pretty much only copped to one. He's like, yeah, I wrote about it in great detail, but no, that wasn't me. Yeah, it's pretty whack. <laughs> I kind of want to read this book now. Do you think it's online? He definitely likes that people know that he's the one that did all these fires, though. Yeah. He definitely enjoys the he fact. Wrote a, he wrote a book about himself. Not to shame people for how their face looks, but like <laughs> that dude looks like he jacked off to some fire. Um, he looks to a house fire. Yeah, he's like the creepy guy in church who kind of like looks at the little girls a little too long. Mm. That's he gives me those vibes, he's got a, he's especially got a, with the mustache. He's in church with the letters like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like look at. I think it's the mustache that also gives me pedo vibes. We're not making any I didn't accusations hear here. About that, so I'm I just saying that, the face. Yeah. It's a mustache, I think. Anybody with a mustache, I just don't trust them. <laughs> uh, I got a mustache right now. A little bit of one. No, you don't. Shut up. I you, got... ha- you look like the sixth member uh, of Sync with that beard. You got damn. like the goatee. It's like attached Jesus. to the mustache. It's going to be so bye, dirty. Bye, bye, bye. Shut up. <laughs> God. This podcast is over. <laughs> Welcome to our new I'm segment. I'm just going to edit my part. <laughs> I'm going to cut your entire... I'm just it's cutting just, your entire track. You still have all of the dialogue from my case, but it's just you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, just mine. Oh, wow. That's racist. More silence. <laughs> <laughs> silence for 15 minutes. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. Should I edit an alternate version? Red, orange, just yellow, the, green? It's just my track. <laughs> no, that's funny. Okay. That is... Uh, yeah, that's the show for this week. That was fun. So let's let's end it off on a good note here. All right. Oh, you found something? I did. I told you Bernie Sanders. Oh, right. Yeah. So if young you're new Bernard to the show. Young Bernard Sanders. Young Bernard Sanders. If, you, if you're new to the show, we like to end on a good note because uh, we talk about some not so good stuff. Hopefully you're new to the show. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, so this week I found this by Googling good news. The title is Bernie Sanders memes and mittens have now raised over 1.8 million for charity. Oh, right. The I Bernie Sanders this. meme of him at the inauguration where he's sitting in his little jacket and his yeah. mittens. I love a, seeing those didn't he sell all over a Twitter. With the, that picture on there. Yeah. So charity. the weather for President Joe Biden's inauguration ceremony was blustery with snow flurries and a wind chill making the temperature drop to near freezing. But oh, never let it be yeah. said that the, that a ver- <laughs> that a Vermont Vermonter. I don't know why that was so hard to read. But never let it be said that a Vermonter like Senator Senator Bernie Sanders doesn't know how to dress for winter weather. 
Vermonter. I would have thought it was like Vermontian. Vermontian. <laughs> Urantian. Ver- Urantian, yeah. <laughs> Along with Amanda Gorman's stirring poem, Senator Sanders' now iconic mittens was one of the highlights of the day. <laughs> Within 24 hours, the casual look had launched more memes than anyone could count. And like Elf <laughs> on the Shelf, it was pretty much everywhere. I love Seriously, it yeah. so much. <laughs> says, apart from injecting some much-needed humor onto our social feeds, Sanders' mm. sartorial tour de force injected some much-needed cash into a few charities thanks to the senator himself who That's seized awesome. the moment. He quickly added the image to a line of merchandise on his website mm. with all proceeds benefiting Vermont-based charities, including Meals on Wheels and senior nice. citizen advocacy groups. That's great. The sweatshirts, tees, and stickers sold out in less than 30 minutes. Additional supplies were similarly snapped up faster than you could say Jack Frost. In all, Sanders raised around $1.8 million in the span of five days. Oh, that's awesome. He said, we're glad we can use my internet fame to help Vermonters in need. Good guy, Bernard Sanders. I love that guy. Yeah, that's an article from the Good News Network uh, by Judy Cole. Hmm. Thanks, Judy. And thank you, Bernie. (laughs) I kind of want his mittens. I want one of those sweatshirts. I'm going to tell you that. He relaxed and partially stroked his erection watching the Anyways... (laughs) good night thanks for listening i just had to read that again because i just it's so ridiculous i didn't think that was his book i thought you were making a joke no that was legit in his book yeah he thought he he's like this is some good stuff (laughs) he's like this is the next 50 shades (laughs) (laughs) 50 shades of blaze 50 shades of gray that's good thank you that's good you should write one you should write a a a pyrophiliac arson smut that's what it is oh god (laughs) anyways thank you guys for listening so much we'll see you next week when we cover more weird stuff um yeah follow us on instagram at archive pod twitter at archive the pod and leave us a review or a a follow on whatever platform you're listening on it really helps us out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right archive out see ya my cheeks are asleep cheeks asleep Shut up. I you, got... have, you look like the sixth member of uh, sync with that beard. You got damn. like the goatee. It's like attached Jesus. to the mustache. <laughs> so bye, dirty. bye, bye. Shut up. <laughs> God. I was looking at the Instagram because I was about to post this stuff for the episode. And it's like new followers. And I like went down the list and my mom was one of them. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, no, Ben, you have to you have to bleep out my swears. So. If you listened to the bloopers at the end last week, that's what that was. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. I think she doesn't know how to work a podcast, so I think we're fine for now. Until she Googles it. She also <laughs> doesn't like murder, which, I mean, she raised me in the murder capital of the world, so. <laughs> that's her fault. Yeah, that's on her. You don't raise a kid in Washington State if you don't want him to find out about Ted Bundy and the Green River Killer. All right, but, Mom? But uh, being obsessed with it is a little different than just finding out. I'm not obsessed with it. I'm just... Uh-huh extremely interested <laughs> okay wikipedia of course love you will never donate um and an article <laughs> and an, who said social media wasn't educational we need a hand signal for that oh Just yeah be like, okay i'll do that <laughs> i'll do the airport uh yeah, airport. signal yeah that's our know. that's our code for when i need to do my my bleep over <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i like this one better airport. yeah <laughs> seat belt <laughs> We should film oh, these. This so funny. <laughs> yeah. Are you singing Amazing Grace right now? Oh, Amazing Grace. I love TikTok. Yeah, that sleepy time is hitting. Well, I was going to let you have a sip. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Turning up before class Thursday. on a Thursday. <laughs> Gotta drive to ceramics. ceramics. Amphetamine, cocaine, crack, LSD, opium. What are they called? Anti-malarial pills. It's 8.20. It is. <laughs> Anyways. We're not, going, we're not going to Target. <laughs> no, we're not going to Target after this. Oh, my goodness. And then. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Willie. Will <laughs> <laughs> Willie Williamson. In West Philadelphia. Born, born and raised. Will Smith. Anyways. That's how you just did <laughs> that. You took a sip and then. <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> Are you going to edit out my burp? There was only one Jesus? <laughs> yeah. We had a hundred million, yeah. so <laughs> suck it, Christians. <laughs> Sleepy time, grape, shrivel up your grapes. Good night, owl. Good night, crow. Good night. Good night, testicles that will not show. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs>